0: Welcome to Let's Talk Anime, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything anime. I'm your host, Avery. And I'm your host, Betty. For this episode, we plan to provide a general guide to anime to those who are not familiar with it. And we also will dive into the history of anime itself. So before we get into that, uh, Betty and I are going to answer this question. What did you think anime was when you first learned about it? And we'll also introduce a bit about our background so you have that context. But what do you think, Betty? Betty.
1: All right. So I grew up in Vietnam and um, it's like in the Asian areas where p- anime and uh, like pop culture is very popular within our area. So um, the first time I know about anime is from uh, a cable TV where they have a kid channels where um, on the anime film is going to be air, on it. So uh, one of the first anime I watched when I was a kid was um, Doraemon. It's very like a kid-based anime that all the kids really enjoy and read the manga also. So it's very um, popular in my area. Also, I just like gradually love anime throughout the time um, I grew up, especially in middle school. I watch more different kinds of animes and for now I feel like I enjoy more different genre and also more different topics throughout the life. So it's just like a part of my childhood and my
0: growing journey. probably. Yeah, or yeah. growing into adulthood. Yeah. yeah, I love that. For me, so um, I was born and raised in um, the Dallas area. Or I was born in Austin, actually, but of Texas, of the United States. Um, so for me, growing up, uh, anime was maybe like not uh, definitely not as common uh, to where I was just going to encounter it and just automatically know a lot about it um and specifically like I would say manga culture here uh definitely when I was a child did not exist from my perspective like I did not know anything about manga so my like first probably like interaction with anime like I knew Dragon Ball Z existed because I think that definitely that aired when I was a kid but it was very like marketed towards boys so I never got into it I knew what Sailor Moon was but I never watched it so I just remember being young and I knew like of shows that were considered anime but i didn't know that they were anime and i didn't know what that meant so for me it really kind of halted until i got into middle school uh that's when i realized that oh this specific art style is considered anime and i kind of would like looking back at it now i watched a lot of american cartoons that were definitely anime inspired but i just did not know that at the time so um i watched ruby which is considered an american anime um because it has like the very typical like Japanese anime style, so I remember watching that in middle school. And I also made friends with people that watched a lot of anime. But I was a very just uh, I wouldn't say I was like a fan of anime. I just would occasionally watch it. Like I saw the Secret World of Aria when I was little. But it definitely wasn't these weren't like the shows I was watching all the time. Uh, so I feel like late high school was when I really got into it. Mainly, I would say because um, I. So, my boyfriend got me into some more different shows, I would say, and then social media kind of took me the rest of the way to where I, I feel the same as you, Betty, where it feels like today I feel like I watch a lot more diverse anime. It's kind of not just the same thing, um, versus in middle school, I just knew a few. But yeah, so that's kind of my experience with anime. Uh, I definitely went through a phase where I was like, oh wait is anime weird just because like people would act that way sometimes in middle school so i thought maybe it was something that was like embarrassing to like but yeah now i'm super into anime so i feel that
1: too like uh when i was in middle school not all of my friends really enjoy anime just like a uh, groups of people who like anime and the rest of them kind of think of anime as like a try this thing yeah. like you should not watch it you're no longer a kid you have to watch like k-drama or Chinese drama or something like that just like that time happened I have no idea like maybe just like a phase
0: and there's definitely like there's definitely a stigma of just animated things in general like we'll get into this later but my dad is always just like cartoons (laughs) 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 so yeah yeah, I do kind of feel like there's just this stigma associated with animated things where people just want to act like it's only for children um, and that's definitely not the case. Uh, animated media is a great way to explore all sorts of themes, whether they're for children or for adults, Yeah, but I agree. yeah, other than that, we'll get right into our research topics. So we're going to cover some just basic com- components of anime. So, you know, we wrote this imagining that you do not know anything about anime, or maybe you do, but you're going to learn some more stuff today, perhaps. Um, so Betty's going to go in with like our formal definition.
1: Alright, so talking about the definition of anime, anime is is a hand-draw or a computer-generated Japanese animation style that is produced or influenced by it. And basically anime refers to any moving animation that comes from Japan and is also known as the Japanese term for cartoons or animation where the Japanese use the word to describe all the cartoons irrespective of the nation. But outside of Japan, anime denotes animation movies that come exclusively from Japan, distinguished by placing graphics, energetic characters, and attractive themes such as sci-fi, romance, and supernatural forces. However, there's a key point to keep in mind that all anime shows are cartoons, but not all cartoons are anime.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so little fun fact, um, anime in itself is singular and plural, um, however, if you are discussing various types of anime, um, you may see it used as animes with a S S rather than just anime. Um, this kind of bridges us into our next point of conversation, which involves foreign animes, which produce their own anime. <laughs> so uh, it's important to note that outside of the formal definition of anime that Betty just discussed, that there is a concept of foreign or non-Japanese anime. So, these animes are involved in online discourse and debate on whether they should be considered actual anime or not. Um, And so, for example, uh, I just want to go immediately with Avatar because I feel like that is one that I see online a lot, people discussing if it actually counts as anime or not because it's definitely inspired by Japanese anime uh, or art style, um, but it is produced uh, by... I I actually don't know who produced it, but it's produced... It's an American anime. So... um, That kind of makes it to where people debate whether or not it should count as anime. Um, But regardless, we see um, that there are lots of forms of media that are influenced by Japanese anime in terms of the animation style. And they may even be marketed as anime. Um, So an example of that is that we actually have a Texas-based company called Rooster Teeth. And they produce many web series that use anime-influenced art styles. And so that example I was talking about earlier that I watched Ruby when I was little, uh, that is a product of Rooster Teeth. Um, additionally, uh, we have seen a lot of Netflix original animes come out recently, and I do not know if they're all produced, um, by, uh, you know, Japanese writers, uh, directors, uh, so that's kind of another point of contention, because I think Netflix can be, mm, I don't know, I don't know, so, like, we just have, like, a lot of new anime that Netflix is sponsoring, and we're not just getting the Japanese people that are making these animes, so it's definitely made it kind of more global. Um, and then also, I don't know if you ever watched, Betty, uh, the Disney Plus Star Wars anime they came out with. It's my first time hearing about that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, I heard about it, honestly, probably when Disney Plus was first launching, I feel like it came out, like, not far after, I could be wrong. It just felt, like, early into Disney Plus existing that they came out with this, but yeah, they did some sort of collaboration where they had a bunch of, like, different anime episodes, um... That were Star Wars inspired. They were like these mini stories, and they had a different artist for each one. So it wasn't just one anime art style, which we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, so based on what country an anime is produced in, um, can affect certain things about um, how that how that anime is going to be, because it's going to be suited for different audiences. You know, if it's produced out of Japan, it's not just for a Japanese audience. Uh, so that exclusivity and like who the audience is can really define how that anime actually turns out. Um, And so an example I have, and this is a personal take of mine, so this isn't like fact, but I personally find that a lot of Chinese anime tend to feel like a lot more smooth, like the animation and uh, the style of it just feels more fluid. Uh, I don't even know how to fully explain that. And I do find I I like the detail of it more than other anime. I don't know. So for me, I associate like a a very hyper smooth and more detailed style with Chinese anime. Do you have any experiences like that? Yeah, no. I definitely s- feel
1: the same because there was a time that I was so confused about Japanese anime and Chinese anime because I thought they were probably the same, like the art style kind of. Um, there's one anime that I watched when I was a kid. I don't know what is the English generation, but in Vietnamese, they ca- they call it like Holo B. So it's a- talking about... Um, Those brothers who was born from the kind of like the fruit that looks like, um, do you know the Chinese bottle that looks like um, the shape like this? And people usually drink it with like alcohol. Mm -hmm. They just born from that. And it just opened like the whole series of like fantasy, like adventure and stuff dealing with like monster and stuff like that. It's just like so animated. I thought it's from Japan, but Mm the concept and the cultural is related, it's from China, so it's very interesting to compare and contrast. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: that's the other thing, because it's not just always the animation that might be slightly different or the art style, but the actual content of it is going to be different. Uh, it's I, I really enjoy Chinese anime because you just get to see more of like Chinese culture, especially I like to watch a lot of more like historical dramas when it comes to Chinese anime, so you get to know a lot more about the history and kind of religion. Um, versus Japan uh, so yeah you just I think you get a good mix um, and then another thing to point out is that like anime um, in the west a lot of the times just they will censor out certain tropes because it doesn't fit um, the target audience as well so like uh, in Japan and we'll, we'll talk about this more there's some controversial tropes like having a sister or brother complex and those are things that I definitely see in uh, the western media they try to move away from. Um, or they'll even try to censor out certain things. Um, But my primary point of discussion uh, with this topic is that we basically can see how the definition of anime, um, although we have this one definition that emphasizes origin, culture, and nationality um, relating to Japan, uh, we also have this other definition that reflects the effect of cultural diffusion and also our modern age of living in which we can rapidly share and exchange from all over the globe via the internet. So, you know, as we talk about the actual history of anime, you really see how, um, you know, we started with this, like, just cool animation and uh, artistry and creativity in Japan, and it really expanded and became a global phenomenon, so very excited to talk about that, but... With that in mind, um, while the style of anime is is a specific form of animation originating from Japan, we can use the term anime to describe a wide range of genres and themes that has become popular all over the world, to the extent to which other countries create their own inspired animated series and films. And this bridges us into the next topic, in which we are going to discuss what exactly is Japanese anime art style.
1: So talking about art style... The art style connected with anime is very distinct and recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, anime characters usually depicted with large eyes, untamed hair, lengthy arms or limbs, and other other features like very popular when you watch some kind of animes. And this kind of art style allows anime characters to convey the emotion more freely, which is also plentiful in anime. However, while described, the style is um, what is typical or traditional associated with anime. Um, Just as any form of genre or media, there's a diversity and variety.
0: So yeah, no, what Buddy was saying is, so she was kind of describing the traditional popular anime art style. And so my only other little point was that. Uh, Not all anime, though, is going to follow that one art style. So we have lots of diversity within it. Um, Creativity is definitely not limited. So some examples I had of animes with unique art styles, so they're not following the kind of basic formula that I would say something like uh, Fruit Baskets follows. Um, We got Mob Psycho. Have you seen that one, buddy?
1: I know about that.
0: Yeah, the art style, like, you can just tell by looking at it, definitely a different vibe than I think we normally get. From anime uh, like uh, art, I feel like often, especially when it comes to shoujo anime cliche art, everyone is just very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> everyone um, has like this innocence and glistening eyes. Mob Psycho, if you've ever seen it, definitely not the case. Some of these characters look super goofy. Um, and similarly, One Piece, I would also say, has its kind of own distinct style. Um, the Tale of Princess Kaguya by Studio Ghibli. Uh, you get to see very different uh, uses of color i would say and also detail um also toilet bound hanako uh, which we both love has more of this like cutesy anime style so it's kind of taking that traditional one but they do not have the longer limbs and stuff it's kind of squishing them up and making them look more cutesy (laughs) um and then uh jojo's bizarre adventures is also one that i would say has its own distinct art style but nonetheless they're all considered anime um so moving on from that i want to talk a bit about sub dubbed anime as well as live action so subbed anime or sub um that is when the voiceover is in the original audio which is usually japanese if you're watching japanese anime and the subtitles are in the viewer's preferred language um so i would say most people probably prefer sub uh like that don't live in japan um, Because, you know, you're getting to listen to it in its most original form, which is Japanese. And so a lot of people feel they're more connected with the source material and that it's just better uh, versus dubbed anime or dub. And that's going to be when the voiceover is in the viewer's preferred language and it is not the original audio. Uh, It's not going to be the same recording or cast for that anime. So, there is a debate of sub versus dub, as I kind of hinted. Um, a lot of people prefer sub, and a lot of people do not like dub. Uh, they feel that some dubs are done really cheaply, which is not a lie. Uh, you know, we'll go into the history of anime, but, uh, you know, anime was not always uh, super popular uh, in the West. And so, I would say the dubs from the time periods where it was not as popular and did not have as much of a global presence, those dubs are not as good. And I think it's makes sense because they're probably struggling to, you know, to find really notable actors and actresses to dub, uh, these animes. But let's take, for example, the boy and the Heron, which Betty and I got to saw this year. It's studio Ghibli's, uh, newest release, uh, and it had a studded dub cast. Like it had, uh, Mark Hamill was in it. Uh, I don't, do I know actors' names? Who else was in it? Florence Pugh um ah i'm forgetting someone's name Ugh, he played how christian bale is that who i'm thinking of it sounds great. yeah christian bale so we got a lot of very good actors and actresses in that one um but moving on from that we also have live action um live action itself is just a form of cinematography or videography that is using photography instead of animation and so live action adaptations of anime are another source of debate live action adaptations or anime often change the source material and the action scenes are often difficult to recreate and capture in live action which is definitely the benefit of animation you get to be a lot more creative with what you're drawing and kind of like breaking the rules of physics (laughs) and what you can do um so some examples of some live action anime adaptations we have the death note adaptation there's a western and a japanese adaptation the western one is so bad um, <laughs> and then we have Netflix's recent One Piece adaptation, which I know Betty really likes.
1: Yeah, no, I really enjoy it. And uh, talking about a debate, um, maybe we can touch more later. But I don't know if it's that because of like the production fee, it just like makes it harder for live action to be like freely expressed or freely attached to the original version. It's just like more fee for CGI to do like all the work stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of things to donate on. So. But yeah, just want to add a little details and I can also talk more about like what makes anime so unique from the other. So just like one of the reasons that makes anime outstanding in the animation industry I noticed is that the technical animation methods like the dramatic close-up or zooms like vivid lighting and uh, brilliant colors. It also helped create the great atmosphere for the characters to express their emotions and also effectively illustrate the atmosphere of the whole series like Avery mentioned earlier like when you draw it, it is really to express like everything that you think about rather than like people acting and try to convey you about that. On the other hand uh, the nuanced characters and compelling plot lines are also the are also the other special elements that help anime endear itself to the audience worldwide. Technically, anime is identical to the animation produced in Western culture. However, it consumes a tremendous amount of time and effort. And the process of making animes can take months, if not years, to complete it, as it requires a lot of steps like writing, storyboarding, workshopping, animating, voicing, and animated stories. And a team of artists does all the work, but it's usually overseen by the director. And as a matter of fact, uh, anime is a challenging form to produce, even with the help of technologies which allow artists to make animation with digital tools. It can push the creative boundaries of what this uh, themes can look like using the lighting techniques and other methods, but it hasn't taken away from the artist's hard work. And all these effort and creativity makes anime so unique compared to others, and the medium allows for the subversions of an of genre and the portrayal. Mm, I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> <You're> the, <right. laughs> the portrayal of um, stories that would otherwise also be impossible to render in any other au- audiovisual form of storytelling. Oh my gosh! <laughs>
0: Tongue right. twister.
1: Yeah, and as we talked about the uniqueness of anime, I think it's also a good point now to touch on a little bit on manga, which is also a main source from which a lot of animes are adapted. To begin with, I'm going to give a definition of what is manga. So manga is a written medium that includes Japanese graphic novels and comics where most volumes are published without color, and of course, apart from the cover. Um, the Japanese literature, including manga, is typically designed to read from right to left as you work on your way down to the page um, in the zigzag patterns. The cover of the manga volume goes on the back of the book and the basic summary information goes in the front. Many manga series are published as irregular chapters in a popular Japanese publication, for example, Weekly Shonen Jump, but are part of a longer ongoing narrative. And fun fact, multiple chapters of popular manga series are typically published in the anthologies known as volumes. And manga can read alongside its adapted anime shows because they tend to produce only some parts of the manga rather than the whole plot. And some examples I can provide you with, namely are The Ice Guy and His Cool Female College is the very, like, popul- not the popular kind of popular but it like very popular. yeah yeah, very latest one and another one can be um kimi ni todoke um regardless of its reason like lack of sponsorship production fee like i mentioned earlier it creates like a great marketing strategy as in my opinion for both anime show and manga to be well known worthwhile, and and though the manga was originally published in Japan, many popular series are translated into other languages. And manga and anime series are categorized by five major demographic groups, Sonen, Socho, Sainen, Josei, and Godomumuke. Okay, and these details of the five groups will be explained later in the episode. And we also talk a lot about the contemporary anime and its international popularity. Have you wondered about its history and how animes look like in the past? And I think I can now pass this on Avery to talk more about the history of anime and how it has changed over time.
0: That was a great explanation of manga. Love it. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the history of anime, but I do want to make one comment about manga from my personal experience. So. Uh, Betty mentioned, yeah, no, that you got to wait for the manga to be translated into your native language if you do not read Japanese. Um, So you do often see a lag between uh, (laughs) for manga readers if they um, are not, if they do not uh, speak or read Japanese or outside of Japan, there's a bit of a lag. So I'm super into Jujutsu Kaisen. So I've been reading all the manga and I'm as caught up as I can be on the English side of things. Meanwhile, I think there's at least like two more volumes out that are in Japanese, but they just haven't been translated yet. So I keep getting <laughs> spoilers online from like these uh, Japanese, but I guess they're English speaking because they're commenting in English. People that have um, read it already, and I'm just like waiting, just waiting for it to be translated. But yeah, aside from that, uh, history of anime. So uh, I kind of want to gauge how exactly has anime changed over time. But before we start with anime, we got to talk about the pre-origin of anime. So before film in general, Japan already had a very rich tradition of entertainment and illustrative storytelling. So in the 11th century, there were these traveling storytellers that would narrate legends and tell their personal antidotes. And as they told the story, they would unroll um, what's called a imakimono. Uh, And it's kind of like this painted hand scroll that illustrates a story, and they would unroll it from right to left. So mentioning how manga is read from right to left, I can imagine this is probably why that is. So uh, later during the Edo period, uh, Kagi was popular, uh, which originates from the Shadows play of China. So, you know, China and Japan have always had kind of like this cultural exchange since we spoke about Chinese animes earlier. So there's always been kind of this back and forth. Um, And then by the 19th century, a particular Japanese type of magic lantern show was very popular. And so it involved colorful painted figures, and they would move across a projection screen. So, but anime itself dates back over a hundred years. The first verifiable anime, although there is some debate on exactly what was the first anime, but the first one we can verify that we still have access, uh, was produced in 1917 by Junichi Kochi, titled... Namakura Gatana. Um, and so this had a run time of only four minutes. So it's not considered probably a modern anime. You know, it's only, it's a short film, four minutes, but uh, it's also called The Dole Sword. That's its English translation. And it is a story of a samurai who bought a dole sword and it is a silent film. So uh, we get the second generation of animators though by the late 1910s. And this includes um, Oten Shumokawa uh, jun- Junichi, uh, gauchi i'm butchering some of these names my apologies and setaro kitayama uh, who in these three they're commonly referred to as the fathers of anime but once again their anime is definitely not comparable to what we see today so we will get to a time in my little history discussion where we see more of like a modern sense but Later in the 1930s, uh, the Japanese government enforced cultural nationalism. So this led to a lot of strict censorship and the control of published media. So a lot of animators during this time, they were urged to produce animations that reinforced Japanese spirit and national affiliation. So with that in mind, around the end of World War II in the 1940s, um, we see a lot of propaganda films. So uh, this includes Momotaro no Umiwashi uh, 1943 which tells the story of a naval unit including the human Momotaro and it actually dramatizes the attack on Pearl Harbor so just very interesting to kind of see how um, anime definitely started out as more of like this kind of folk almost folklore like traveling storytelling gig to where we get to the 1930s 1940s and it's just heavily like propagandized Um, So in 1945, uh, we have the first real feature-length animated film, uh, and it was called Momotaro's Divine Sea Warriors uh, in English, and that is connected to that original film in 1943 I mentioned. But this concludes the section on the beginning of anime. So this next section I'm going to call the anime series era, because we start to see a lot more like television. Um, And these are the first animes in the modern sense of how we understand it. So this... Period's gonna stretch from the mid 1950s to the mid 1960s. So f- we get our first color anime feature film, and that is The Tale of the White Serpent in 1958. Uh, and it's very Disney like, uh, it has musical numbers and animal sidekicks. Also. Disney has been also developing during this time. So these are both ongoing, simultaneous. Um, And then let's go to January 1st, 1963. Astro Boy premiered on New Year's Day. And if you haven't heard Astro Boy before, that is a very popular anime. Uh, It gets more popular in the 70s, but it first aired in 1963. So it is one of the first popular animated Japanese television series and it embodied the as- this aesthetic that would later become familiar worldwide as anime. So its actual design is starting to look very, very anime. Um, and then we have our first Magical Girl anime series, which Magical Girl is kind of like a trope or type of anime, uh, Sally the Witch. And it broadcasted on December 5th, 1966. And now we're moving on to the 70s. So I'm going to call this decade, this is the introduction to Mecca. So the 1970s was a great decade for the development of anime. Um, There's a lot of competition due to the rise of television, so the Japanese film market shrinks. And with this, uh, many young animators are appointed to be directors. So this brings in a lot of new young talent, and we see a lot more experimentation. And so during this time, the distinct genres of mecha and its super super robot subgenre emerge... And so, mecha is a futuristic genre, uh, very often sci-fi, that consists of robots or machines controlled by people. So, popular shows would include Astro Boy, which would be an example of that mecha genre. Uh, Lupin the Third was a very popular character in story, um, and Mazinger Z. So, several filmmakers critical to this period also emerged, such as Hayao Miyazaki, who uh, is known for later founding Studio Ghibli or co-founding Studio Ghibli, and Mamoru Oshii, who would later go on to do Ghost in the Shell, which is a very iconic uh, anime. Uh, What I kind of took away from this uh, Japanese versus kind of like uh, Western cultures at the time is that space was in. So in Japan, we have more of like this robotic mecha focused um, in the West at the time. What is going on? Star Wars. So I just thought that was interesting. The world was very interested um, in space during this period, which makes sense if you consider the Cold War and uh, kind of the space race as well. So just kind of interesting to the whole world at this time when it comes to media is exploring space uh, themes and sci-fi themes. So now we're going to move on to the next period that I called the Golden Age of Anime, which is majority 1980s. So 1980s, anime is mainstream in Japan and it is now accepted as a part of Japanese culture, it's a staple. So there's a boom in production with the rise of popularity in anime like Dragon Ball, which uh, first began in 1986 in Macross, for example. Uh, And then we have these other genres such as real robots, space opera, cyberpunk that are particularly defining of this decade. and then we also have martial arts or action and sports genres, uh, such as Captain Su- Tsubasa, <laughs> also beginning in this decade. So to kind of summarize, that we're seeing a lot more um, emergence in new genres. So the martial art, action, sports genres, and then we're seeing more subgenres to kind of the mecca space that so we got the cyberpunk. I would say that's probably the biggest one. Um, And so anime all round kind of saw a visual quality renewal. And this was due to directors such as Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takahata Takahata, (laughs) as well as Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, And speaking of the latter, Otomo, uh, he had a 1988 film, Akira. And it's commercial. It it was a commercial failure uh, in Japan, but it would go on to achieve international success. It became very popular in the West. And another thing that came out of 1980s anime that's pretty significant is uh, this form of original video animation or OVA, which I did not know what OVA meant for the longest time. If you are an anime watcher and you, you know, watch season one, you may notice like in between seasons, you might see OVA episodes. Um, so, OVA stands for Original Video Animation, and it's basically what brought anime to the home video market, uh, DVDs. And so, a lot of it were shows that focused on superheroes, robots, space operas. Um, and so, you get the original video animation, but you get it on a disc, and you can watch it at home. And this came into the market in 1984, so it had a pretty wide-ranging impact. Um Yeah. And so moving on to our next defining time, the 90s, uh, and it'll lead out into the early 2000s as well, is global recognition. That's what I'm calling it. So um, 1990s, we saw Dragon Ball Z air in Japan, and this began to continue the martial arts superhero genre. So this show would become an international success as it is translated into many languages. So that's where we're talking about that dub uh, versus sub and so the ghost in the shell was released in 1995 and it had a strong influence on the american australian film the matrix so we're just seeing anime continue to take on more of a global stage versus just be contained to a japanese audience some other popular animes during this time that were very influential influential and had a good success in the west was neon genesis i can never say average wait i can't say i'm going to say it
1: I don't know, like. Uh, <laughs> you say it either. G- Genesis. Um, Evangelion.
0: Yeah, Evangelion? <laughs> Evangel- Evangelion. Evangelion. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I don't know why I always looks like second <laughs> guess how to say that word. In um, Cowboy Bebop, hey, that one's a lot easier. So uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, <laughs> 1995. In <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, is 1998. Um, and then another big one that this might hit home for some people is the Pokemon TV series. So it was adapted from the video game. Uh, And it was it would go on to be one of the longest running animes in history. And it was dubbed into several different languages. And so some other genres that we're seeing expand is the action adventure, space, martial arts and magical girl genres. So that was kind of talking about with my childhood that I remember like Sailor Moon being a thing. Definitely magical girl anime um and then in the 2000s uh we're continuing to see anime grow on the global stage but they're starting to get recognized for it so spirited away shared the first prize at the 2002 berlin film festival and then it proceeded to win the 2003 academy award for best animated feature so that was super big um and the 2000s was characterized by an increase of moe style art which i had to look up exactly what that is We're still kind of following traditional anime art style of the big eyes. Moe style, like if you look it up, it's just make the eyes bigger, (laughs) make the characters cuter. Like that's what it looked like when I looked it up. Um, And then we have also Bishoujo and Bishounen character designs, uh, which again, uh, that's something that I would just recommend Googling because it's kind of hard to describe something very visual. Um, <laughs> but so we have a rising presence and popularity of other genres, such as romance, harem and slice of life, which, you know, those are staples for us now, the, especially romance and slice of life. So, yeah, it's kind of when those were emerging. Uh, we also see revivals of American cartoons, but in an anime inspired art style. So if you ever watched any of those old uh, there was like some superhero shows, Transformers, they were starting to look a little more Japanese anime in anime in terms of style so now we're gonna move ahead to 2006 because at the 78th academy awards howl's moving castle which is another studio ghibli film produced uh, by Hayao miyazaki it is nominated for best animated feature and then we have in 2007 five centimeters per second directed by makoto shinkai won the inaugural asia pacific screen award for best animated feature film and so in general since 2007 anime films have been nominated for awards every year or maybe it was that specific award i'm a little confused on my notes regardless okay 2006 we have graduates from the university of california berkeley and they launch crunchyroll so this is going to bring us to our final era which is the streaming era (laughs) crunchyroll um, became the first anime streaming service and so this is just expanding um, foreign access to anime even further. Uh, And so its model would later be used by Netflix, Funimation, and even Amazon in the later 2010s. So with the streaming era, uh, this covers the 2010s until now, pretty much, so up to the present day. So dubbed anime is now very common, very widespread. Um, Pretty much anyone anywhere can stream and watch anime either dubbed in their own native language or a language they prefer, or with subtitles in their native language. There is recent kind of actual political criticism of certain anime um, that has happened in the streaming era, uh, and that includes Attack on Titan and The Wind Rises. So The Wind Rises was a film by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, and it promoted his usual theme of pacifism, uh, whereas Attack on Titan had a heavy focus on militarism. So both of these kind of came under national debate in Japan uh, surrounding the reinterpretation of Article nine of the Constitution of Japan, which has a lot to do with um, being uh, my understanding has a lot to do with like nationalism and just kind of being uh, spiritful, I guess, in Japan. Um, and so with these two films, they became under political fire because they were just kind of viewed as not very pro-Japanese. Um, Or for Attack on Titan, its issue was not that it wasn't pro-Japanese. It was actually accused by uh, neighboring Asian countries of promoting militarism. And there is kind of like a complicated history between um, Japan, uh, really imperial Japan, and uh, neighboring Asian countries. So, yeah, Attack on Titan originally was kind of under a lot of fire for those reasons. Um, When it's its real point is just to show how hopeless conflict can be. It's not really supposed to support militarism, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, so we've just had so much anime come out. Uh, The streaming era is, since we're in it right now, I don't have too much to say. Um, One other thing I added is just how popular Jujutsu Kaisen got between 2021 and 2023. Like It has become huge to the point of where Shibuya, uh, a district in Japan, had to shut down Halloween celebrations because they were worried that there was going to be way too many people coming in from all over the world and in Japan to Shibuya because it was featured in JJK. Uh, So, yeah, it just has a massive impact now. And uh, another thing that I didn't really write about, but just tourism. Like, I, I, you know, we have a Studio Ghibli museum that was recently made in Japan. So, anime has just become a very lucrative industry. (laughs) So. Can, now we can move on to outside of history of anime. So that concludes the history part, demographic genres. So do you want to talk about that, Betty?
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much for giving us a lot of information about the history of anime. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's some specific demographic genre that animes fallen under. And the first one I'm going to cover is uh, Sonen. So, Sonen is a genre of Japanese comics and animated films aimed primarily at a young male audience, typically characterized by action-fused plots. And it's usually, um, there is some type of man character, normally male, who has like muscle, good martial arts, abilities, and some type ability to enhance their strength. And the good example I can give you, I would say like Dragon Ball.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think the only thing to note with shonen is that, you know, now that we've covered the history of anime and see how it's changed a lot across time, it's interesting. You can now understand how Dragon Ball Z and something like Jujutsu Kaisen are both considered shonen, even though they're so different. It's because so much time separates them. So the shonen genre is definitely something that's flexible. Uh, it, it can encompass new things even though they may look different than previous shonen shows because it's also moving with the with the times. So I don't know. That's just something I wanted to point out because shonen, as it says, it's primarily focused at a young male audience, and Jujutsu Kaisen is pretty graphic. Uh, but it's still considered shonen because things change.
1: Yeah. No. Interesting. Because uh, most of my anime I watch in my childhood are from shonen. And a lot of your girls still watch it. So it's just like a genre aimed toward a ty- like a specific audience. But actually, if you're interested in different genre, you totally can watch these kind of animes and it fall under the, that category.
0: Yeah, it's very flexible. It's just these de- these demographic genres just try to imply like what was the original intent of the creators usually.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to move on to um, the next Demographic is socho. So, um, different from Sonen, this is a genre of Japanese comics and animated films aimed primarily at a young female audience and typically characterized by a focus on personal or romantic relationships. So, I would say, like, most of the romance, m- like, anime shows I watch, my phone on the socho or some like anime from Studio Ghibli that romanticize life or style of life would also like fall in fall under like this category
0: yeah and then things like um sailor moon so like that magical girl <laughs> kind of category of genre also often fits under here but once again anybody can enjoy good shoujo so it's not just for the girls but a lot of girls do watch shoujo
1: all right um another <coughs> demographic um i would say jose i don't know if i Is right my apology but uh, this is uh, some of the common themes found in Xochitl manga are house life, sisterhood, romance in workplace, raising children or pets, pastime and hobbies, personal journals, real life problems, conflicts with lim- the mother-in-law, and also inexcapa- inescapable horror. I don't know why I'm struggled to say that word. But uh, Jose manga, also known as the Ladies' Comics, and is abbreviation of um, Ready... Gomi is an editorial category of Japanese comics that emerged in the eighties. So um I don't know if I have any good um example for this demographic, but um when we go through like the common themes of this demographic, the thing coming to my mind is like the babysitter or um the Oran High School, like i have no idea if it's fall under like exactly just like a slice of life and the work yeah. that people um have within the theme so,
0: so i would say uh my understanding of this one is that it's aimed it does not say this in our definition but i feel like it's aimed at instead of young girls it's for young, young women. women yeah um and so some examples i would think a lot of the slice of life workplace animes could fit under this so uh and, I mean, I feel like things can be double-crossed, but uh, think of, like, the ice guy and his cool female colleague. Like, that's probably going to be more entertaining to an adult than a young girl, so that might fall under Josai, Jose, even though a lot <laughs> of romance animes fall under shojo, And then another big Josai anime, I would say, is Nana. Nana, I think, is definitely a big one. Uh, and then... Believe it or not, I think Perfect Blue uh, might fall under this genre. Uh, I could be wrong, but just the themes that are explored in Perfect Blue, which is a uh, horror anime, um, it has a lot to do with how women view themselves um, in basically feminine issues, I would say, and feminine issues within terms of like social media and being under the spotlight and fame. But it's very... I don't know. I felt like a lot of the issues were related to more of, like, a feminine perspective of that. So I even some horror movies might fall under this one.
1: All right. Uh, yeah, thank you for giving those example, because I am a little bit confused about this demographic. Like, I don't think I watch a lot of that, so maybe that's why. But uh, I'm going to touch on the last demographic that we have on this, um, like, demographic of anime. So um, another one is called... Sainan, correct me if I pronounce it wrong, like Sainen, Sinan, I have no idea. But um, in Japan, the word Sainen literally means youth and the term Sainen manga is used to describe the target audience of magazines like the Weekly Manga Times or the Weekly Manga Guraku, which cater specifically to men's interests and are marketed um, towards a demographic of young adult men between the age of 18 to 40. So I see some similarity between like this one and shonen. So probably just like target um, man yeah. audience, but like in different uh, age range.
0: Yeah, I would argue it, it's a it's a fine it's it's a fine line between seinen and shonen um, because there was a while where I was trying to defend my assumption that Jujutsu Kaisen is a seinen anime because I just felt like it was too graphic for shonen because when you talk about shonen and shoujo like you say they're aimed at younger audiences so maybe I'm thinking too young or maybe I just think I don't know like Attack on Titan I would also consider that seinen but I think a lot of people consider them both shonen but for me it's a bit on like how age appropriate I think it is for me. But, you know, that's kind of the thing about anime is that we've talked about it. It is a global phenomenon now. And so different countries are going to view things different when in terms of like what is appropriate for what age. So I think that's why it feels like there's a lot of overlap between these demographic genres because different countries have different ideas on what is appropriate for their audience. Um, and so I'll I'll say this one because I just added it uh, without <laughs> telling Betty, uh, but I noticed when you were talking about manga, you noticed you mentioned this genre, so I just wanted to add it. Um, Kodomomuke, Momuke anime style. I've actually never heard of that before, but um, according to my brief research, uh, my two second Google search, um, it's aimed at young audience and so it's regardless of boy and girl so it's like child like small child audience uh and so it's gonna have simple storylines and it's gonna have cute childlike characters and so biggest example of this pokemon we're not gonna consider pokemon a shonen uh for obvious reasons but you can see why even though pokemon and dragon ball z while kids of the same age might watch both of those you can see why they're different pokemon definitely doesn't have the same degree of like fighting and like mentions of violence, that something like Dragon Ball Z does.
1: Uh, yeah, I feel like this genre touched me the most because I grew up with like anime. So Doraemon, Pokemon, or Sailor Moon is kind of like my childhood movie. So it's just, just aimed for like young children who watch anime. So
0: yeah, and with that one, there's going to be no overlap with in or jos- Josai anime. Yeah. Like, whereas Josai, Sainan, Shoujo, Shonen, there might be some overlap. Like, Kodomo Muke is, like, strictly, like, younger kids. So, you're not really going to see overlap with those older genres we mentioned. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, outside of demographic genres, uh, anime, just as any form of media, is going to have its own thematic genres. And so you get action, adventure, fantasy, magic. Um, A subgenre that's specific to anime is isekai, which is any sort of anime in which a character is transported to a world that is unfamiliar from their own. And it usually involves them having some sort of unnecessary overpowering ability. Uh, And so that includes a lot of reincarnation animes, if anyone has ever heard of any of those. Uh, We have comedy. Slice of life is something we've mentioned earlier. If you're not familiar with what slice of life means, it's essentially the romanticization of Monday life. It's appreciating just everyday things. It's usually very slow, very wholesome. Um, Historical animes exist, Um, horror, thriller, psychological, romance, genre. Sci-fi. We talked a lot about Mecca and even sports. So I mean, and there's more. Those are just some of the ones that I wrote down. But yeah, I mean, anime is pretty limitless. It's uh, I think a misconception, which we'll talk more about misconceptions later. But a misconception of anime, I think, is that anime just looks like one thing. Like someone hears about anime and they're like, oh, uh, like The Attack on Titan stuff, or oh, like. Uh, a Studio Ghibli film. Like, they base their perceptions on anime anime based on one specific anime within a specific genre of anime. And so they never really understand that anime encompasses all the genres that any other form of media is going to possess. Like, American television, you're going to have sports, uh, historical, romance, drama. Like, you're going to have all these different genres. It's the exact same with anime. And so with that in mind, or... Not with that in mind actually our next topic (laughs) so uh for this one it's we kind of touched on it a bit earlier about how global anime has become and so with that in mind audience and the audience of anime itself who is the target audience well it's going to depend it's going to depend on the anime it's going to depend on the country and so i found some fun statistics so we can figure out who exactly is watching anime so Some estimates say that more than a third of the world population, so that could be like 2.88 billion people, watch anime. So some top statistics that I've written down. Uh, So yeah, 36% of viewers worldwide enjoyed watching anime in 2021. Over 100 million households globally had watched at least one anime title on Netflix in 2020. Uh, Detective Conan is one of the most popular animes of all time. And that demographic is uh, usually younger children or young children and adults that watch that as a child as well. Uh, almost 90% of young Japanese uh, people said that they watch anime. Anime is the third most in demand subgenre worldwide with a 5.5% demand share. Around 33% of American adults have had a favorable impression of anime. That's that's pretty low, but I kind of expected that. Uh, It's definitely more popular with Gen Z. I don't have a statistic for that, but I just know it. (laughs) Gen Z is definitely more interested in anime than I would say any other generation. So I also have some more statistics about anime popularity by country as of 2024. So I have like a little digital map pulled up. So we can see that in Canada, they are one of our lower consumers of anime. Um, looks like about between 30 and 35 percent of people in Canada watch anime. That's kind of funny. Whereas compared to the U.S., it looks like about between 70 and 75 percent of people watch anime. Um, in Japan, unsurprisingly, over 80 percent people watch anime. Um, Brazil, interesting. Brazil, 60 percent of their population watches anime. So yeah, I don't know. Just some fun statistics. Um, also, Mexico quite a good uh, following of anime supporters it seems we're around 45 50 percent um and this is according to let me cite some sources um worldpopulationreview.com so however reliable that information is um what country is this is this france okay france okay france france is 62.5 percent of their population oh my god no
1: these studies like just impressed me because i didn't expect that like I have no idea. Maybe just like from my point of view, I thought like in some um, Asian areas or like some more in the...
0: So Are you thinking Asia Middle... Uh, were you going to say Middle East or Africa Yeah, Europe? from Middle East or something. Okay, yeah. It's
1: just like more popular with anime. Um, so I didn't expect to see like the percentage from like more in the American um, continent. So it's very interesting.
0: I don't know, just from lo- visually looking at the map, like, I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but the US and Japan are some of the top watchers, as well as, um, what country is this? The Philippines, that also makes sense. But yeah, um, so what what was one of the most surprising ones to you, if any? I think France, I was not expecting <laughs> France to France. be, like, up there.
1: No, I didn't expect it, um, American, to be, like, first. I thought Philippines really? is more, like, popular with that, but... I'm impressed that American just, like, exit Philippines, like, percentage
0: on that, so. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, re- it's really impressed me. So, yeah, looking
0: at an actual list, because we were looking at a map originally, so Japan is 75.87% of population watching anime, United States, 71, Philippines, 70, France, 62, Brazil, 55, South Korea, 50, Mexico, 46, Malaysia, Forty three, Canada, uh, thirty five, and Taiwan is thirty three. Wow, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, for me, I, ex- I expected the U.S. to be pretty high, just because, um, maybe just because I'm online, I'm chronically online too much, and a lot of the people that I see talking about anime, are from the United States, but at the same time, that's biased Like, of course, my instagram my social media page is going to show me people from my country talking about it so there's some bias but that's why i uh, that is part of the reason though that i assume that the u.s would probably have a lot of people um also because i feel like once again gen z we have just really i feel like brought it in to the The spotlight, I don't know, I don't, because I know, like, um, in middle school, I had friends that talked about how they liked anime and that people acted like they were weird for liking anime, but I don't know, in the past five years, I don't know what happened, but liking anime, I feel like, is cool now.
1: That's interesting, because um, before I came here, it just, like, a culture shock for me, because I didn't expect it to be, like, that popular. I know maybe some, some people also know about anime and liked it, but I didn't expect it to be, like, really big. Because, like, mostly in my middle school, when we talk about anime, it's just more in my region. And whenever I talk about, like, American animation, it's more about, like, sci-fi or, like, live action. Or, like, Disney. Yeah, (laughs) or something like that. It's just, like, very impressive to know about these data.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I'm just talking from my own personal experience, but I really feel like it's been the past five years where it's just exploded even more in the yeah. u.s um i mean i have no evidence of that just that's what it feels like because uh, i just remember a time where like liking anime was a niche like it was a very specific thing if you liked anime now it feels very common to meet people that know what anime is have watched w- at least some anime um Especially just among the younger generation. So yeah. um, But yeah, I don't know. I was I don't know why (laughs) I'm so surprised by France. I think it's because I've never seen a French dub. To be honest, Uh, I always can guess if a country likes anime just by if they release their own dubs, because then it makes me assume that oh they must really like it if they're dubbing it in their own language. So like I've seen a lot of Portuguese dubs, so Brazil didn't surprise me for that reason um mexico also didn't surprise me i've seen a lot of spanish dubs uh but not french not french in canada i don't know what do y'all canadians be doing up there kind of anime y'all watch
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: who knows it's interesting for me because <laughs> they,
1: they also speak french don't they so yeah some <laughs> canadians
0: yeah if they're like from the quebec yeah region. Oh, i gave a tour to someone that was from quebec and he had like a french accent it was it was cool i don't know i've <laughs> never met anyone or no that's such a lie that's such a lie shout out to moran she's probably not gonna watch this and i'm still butchering her name um after all this time but she studied abroad here at tu and she's from france moran do you watch anime if not you should she's probably yeah. never gonna hear this if you hear
1: this leave the comments <laughs> <laughs> if,
0: if your name is moran and you're from france regardless if you studied abroad at <laughs> to you or not just leave a comment and tell us if you watch anime all right let's get back let's get back to our schedule <laughs> so <laughs> betty's gonna talk about some uh, some misconceptions of anime and also the downsides
1: yeah so when i'm talking about a misconception just like something people get wrong when we mention about anime in general so i kind of um summarize into three misconceptions so the first one I think it's a um, very popular misconception that a lot of people think about is that um, anime and cartoons are the same. So, based on the previous section where um, Avery talked about different genres of anime, and not all anime shows are directed toward kids. Um, so, some anime, such as Pokemon, Doraemon, Sakura, The Car Captain, and so on, are some good examples for the kid anime shows. Um I think they fall under um the demographic that we just talk about like the kodomo
0: kodomo muke yeah, uh, yeah i'm not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> the kodomo
1: muke one um so yeah it's basically have the main themes of friendships life life adventures and also like a full of passion related to pursuing your dreams like it's very motivate kids to like um being lively and move on like follow your dreams kind of things like that and also talking about um adult animes i think death note would be a good example because it's talk a lot about death suicide and violence so it just like originally directed to adults rather than kids
0: yeah this is a very this is a very important one because um i think the western perspective is that cartoon equals four kids Uh, Anime is not always for kids. So, yeah, that's why this one's really important. Because I think um, I definitely know, uh, like, some moms that uh, don't want their kids to watch anime at all. Because they think anime is all bad just because one anime was very violent. But I'm like, come on. It's it's a whole genre. (laughs) It's a whole genre. There's going to be animes that are more for kids and more not for kids. So I think it's always so silly when some parents, like, write it off like it's all bad. Um, and then vice versa, where maybe they think their kid can just watch anything because it's a cartoon, so, like, your five-year-old should not be (laughs) watching Attack on Titan, in my opinion. Um, and then it's just, um, you know, just as an American, it's such an American dad thing to be like, oh, you're watching a Japanese cartoon (laughs) but I'm watching anime, and it's like, it's, I, I feel like he's diminishing it almost, like, the way he says it in the thing is that anime. I mean, we've discussed a lot, but the artistry and the dedication that goes into it. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of these are masterpieces. They're not always just for kids, but yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's very impor- important to know about this because uh, whenever you search on Google about anime, I I love that when they have um, the suggestion that anime for kids. So that it's also I ca- I feel like it's kind of help protect the kid from watching um like the genres that not really originated target them so it just like save the kid from watching like the wrong genre but yeah that just some notice that i fight and uh, i'm gonna move on to the second misconception is that <laughs> um uh everybody not everybody is so like <laughs> biased but um anyone some people just believe that um, anyone who watches animes is otaku. and just give like a context. Um, ota- otaku refers to people who are so obsessed with their hobbies that they spend like their whole time immersed in the anime world and neglect um, to develop their social <laughs> skills. <laughs> so
0: it's definitely <laughs> in a it's definitely a trope in a lot of animes too. <laughs> so it's like a very self-aware thing, I feel. Yeah, it's just like
1: funny for me to search it up but um yeah, yeah n- not anyone who watch anime is so you t- so it's just a like i would say like a dark side of anime but yeah n- none of the anime shows or manga is created to encourage people to like become socially re- reclusive and anime is simply like an outlet for people to relax or even some anime show or movies can also convey like a very deep meaning and lessons implied to the movie that they uh, made. And people can interpret or reflect on from different aspects. And I would give like the example from um, most of the movie from Studio Ghibli. Because I feel like there's a lot of things that we can... um, interpret and reflect on like Avery and I also have a podcast talking about those like there's so many thoughts that um every movie from Studio Tripoli can give to me and the best uh, example I can give to you all is maybe Princess Mononoke where you can see like a clear concept of environmental protection through the conflict of human beings and nature so yeah
0: yeah that that's definitely that's a good one um if you're into anime you would know that like yeah it's not true like just liking anime doesn't automatically mean you're obsessed with it or another term is weeaboo which is basically a westerner otaku pretty much right like yeah um because a weeaboo is just gonna be a western person that's super obsessed with not just anime but like japanese culture and they may take it to an extreme of kind of making it their whole personality Um, But, you know, I feel like a lot of these terms are too stigmatized because, yeah, there's going to be cringy people on the Internet and in real life that low-key are way too obsessed with anime. But (laughs) I feel like the terms are often misapplied to people that simply enjoy watching anime. Yeah, Um, And you can be a big fan without crossing into um, weeaboo otaku territory. You can still be a fan without, like, being... Obsessed in like neglecting your life skills or whatever (laughs) Betty said.
1: All right, so um, last but not least, I'm gonna touch on um another common misconception that people usually get wrong regarding anime is like, anime is violent and toxic because it's include a lot of fighting, vulgar um, language, nudity, and drug use, and most popular is like sexual content. But again, it's depending on like the genre and uh, like the genre you watch. But hentai is a single genre of anime that has like a heavy sexual content. And uh, it doesn't mean like all the animes are going to based on that. So it's just like, I have no idea what to say about this misconception. It's just like based on the look of the anime. (coughs) Some people can think about that too. And it cannot be denied, but not all of them like heavily relied on that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of that is stemmed in this idea that anime women, specifically, or girls, are way too sexualized in their character design, and that is definitely a common thing in anime, but not all animes are gonna have that, and then even if there is a character that seems kind of, like, very sexualized in the way they're drawn, it doesn't always mean that that anime's plot is gonna focus on that, because I might be wrong, but... Hentai is essentially, it's adult content, yeah? Um, And so adult content in anime that's on streaming services that you can actually access and watch, like, it's not going to be the same thing. So I think that's the importance there. But then at the same time, just like any other media, like Western TV, where there might be some like, you know, hot and heavy scenes. I mean, it's anime is going to be the same way, where there might be some shows that have more explicit content than otherwise. But again, we kind of already talked about just if you're a parent or something, just make sure you know what your kids are watching um, is the main thing. Um, and then another little thing that I just want to add for that section is that there is a genre of anime called... Uh, ek let me see Eki. i don't know if it's ek or eki but it's spelled e-c-h-i um and so this is also not hentai but the reason i want to bring it up is because a lot of people confuse it for being hentai and so when it comes to like a lot of romance anime genres uh you have kind of pure romance on one side and then you kind of have drama and then you might get eki or ichi i'm not sure how to say it and then you have hentai so Ichi is where it's not um gonna be entirely explicit. Like you're not you're never gonna see anything too crazy to where it becomes a uh, hentai territory. But it might have some more. It might have more sexual innuendos. Um, in some uh yeah, you're definitely gonna have like more sexual innuendos or just kind of overtones. So like an example of this would be uh let me think uh, not a married couple but almost uh, I don't think that's exactly what it's called um do you know what I'm talking about
1: I don't but when you mention about that I think of um there's one I didn't watch it but I see it and it kind of I think it's fall under this category it's called high school dxd
0: so I didn't see that one
1: yes yeah, hmm. so yeah I oh
0: it is under that though when I look it up it's yeah kind of the first one. I think
1: it's under that I saw a lot of like recommendation but it looks so cringe for me so I didn't watch it <laughs> but yeah I think it's fall under that um like category
0: and i i have an example of one that might be considered ecchi or ecchi but uh it's actually good in my opinion i really like my dress up darling which if it is considered ecchi or ecchi it's like barely on there there just is like a few innuendos because the anime involves um this boy making cosplay costumes for this girl that he has like he he doesn't know quite know he has a crush on her but uh yeah, so there is some scenes where it's kind of supposed to be implied, like something inappropriate is happening, but they never actually really show anything. I, yeah, so it's still at a level to where it's not gone into hentai territory. So there is there is a difference, there is a line. Yeah. Um, so watching anime does not automatically mean you're watching something inappropriate. I think that was Betty's main point. Yeah,
1: no, honestly, thank you for bringing it up because it's kind of biased. Like when you're talking about violence games as well, like. The way the characters portrayed it, like the woman character portrayed it, it's just like very controversial too. Like compared to this um, misconception, it's just like it just one thing It's not like the whole picture of like watching anime. So exactly, yeah.
0: I mean, it's I, I mean it's definitely a double standard because it's like taking something like Euphoria, which is you know a Western show, and being like, oh, Euphoria is so inappropriate. So all Western TV is trash and inappropriate and promotes um underage sex and underage drinking like it's a generalization when people take like one anime and try to make a generalized statement about everything so but yeah i'll let i'll let you continue (laughs) yeah
1: um yeah just beside of that i just touch a little bit on like the violence in anime so it's kind of similar to uh, what we just talked about like um the other content um that (laughs) Parents might think, like, the kid's not allowed to watch anime, but it's also falling under the same kind of genre that we just watch. It's just, like, a kind of genre, like, you choose to watch, and it's not targeted to, like, the whole community, like, in every age. So, um, with that being said, um, not all of the animes are violent or bloodshedding. Depending on, like, the genre you watch, I would say, like, some anime I watch, like, Oran High School Host Club or Gakuen, Babysitters, uh, and some other So-Jos, uh, animes would, like, a good example for Violent Free, and it just, yeah, it can be watched easily without cringing or <laughs> having, like, something um, inappropriate.
0: That's funny, because you included Oran High School Host Club, which definitely is not um, Etchy or icky, but uh, it does have like certain tropes that I would say are kind of inappropriate. So, or on right. host club, I think is kind of controversial. I know a lot of people that think it's weird, um, and it's because uh, I think it's honestly because of culture i think it's cultural differences which make people like kind of split on if or on high school host club is inappropriate or not um because a host club does not really exist in the west or in america at least for sure in the united states we do not have host clubs um but a host club in japan just uh you know or made cafes as well that's another thing that exists in japan that's very normal is like cafes like that Versus in the U.S., people go, oh, that's weird. What do you mean? It's sexualizing women. So, I I don't know. There's just definitely a cultural difference. And so, that's why some people find that, oh, like, this is appropriate, but this isn't appropriate. There's just, like, a lot of debate. And it's because cultures are going to define things as appropriate for different age groups differently. Oh, wow. That was, like, a sentence I got lost in. Um, But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a
1: good point, though. Because I never thought of that. Like, Hmm. Yeah, because that's, that's something. I'll, I'll
0: give an example. or on, or, or on, in High School Host Club. Love it, by the way. I love it. It's super funny. <laughs> uh, but there is this trope of twin-cest, which sounds really bad. Like, that sounds bad, inexcusable. If you actually watch the show, they're not actually in love with each other. It's these two twin boys. But um, do you know what I'm talking about? It's Hydru and what's the other one's name? I,
1: I don't think I watched that episode because it's so interesting. I watched this one on the TV um, channel where it's air for kid and i think like that's why they cut it out and i thought it's so like for kid.
0: have you seen all of oran host club
1: i watched like based on it but i didn't like go back to watch the whole series so maybe i missed some episode and that's why i <laughs> mentioned it like in this section wow
0: oh no you're you're good it's like um it's not even that it's that bad i think some people think it's implying bad things it's because like the idea of a host co- club is like the the boys in it um are catering to the young ladies of the academy and it's so their club is kind of all about hosting and having little tea parties um and they get funding for it and they're running it like a business so that's why it's kind of like practice uh uh but yeah so they kind of advertise some of the boys in a host club a certain way to make them more, like, attractive to customers, and so that's where some of the inappropriate context might come in play, and so, like, there's these two twin characters, and they kind of just play up this trope of brotherly love. Some people call it twin though, so that's why I'm, like, that's where we see some cultural differences, because mm, for the Japanese, it's supposed to be more like their brotherly love is endearing, and so they kind of play it up for the customers, because the customers like it, but then some Western viewers look at that and go, oh, why are they interacting with each other like that? Like, that's weird, that's, like, twin so... Yeah, that's kind of an interesting one that you put there. That's why I was like a little surprised at first, because it's just definitely going to depend on where it's airing, if it's considered for that young of the audience or not.
1: That's interesting. Thank you for bringing that (laughs) up. Like, I learned something new today. Like, I thought, because I need to watch the whole series myself, honestly. I just watch based on like what they show me. When I was a kid, so... You
0: know, I really like it. I think it's really funny. Uh, some people just think it's too weird. Um, my boyfriend did not like it, for example. <laughs> but I, I, I just... I think it's I think it's a funny little show. Also, the girl gets uh, misassumed for a boy. And so there's kind of like this... Uh, there, there's always something taboo in a lot of cultures about anything that might be implied to be trans or cross-dressing. So I think that's why some countries also might not approve of this show. Um, obviously, I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm just talking about cultural differences. Um, but yeah, so yeah, th- honestly, that was a good one to discuss because I think there's a lot of mixed opinions. On yeah. All
1: right, So um, according to all the information we mentioned in this episode, um, I just say I just say like I hope we hope that you learn something new today and um, just do not let any misconception <laughs> prevent you from enjoying anime shows, honestly. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like anime is just like any kind of movie or TV show. The audience can choose and like the like different kind of genre that they want to watch. So um, if you love anime or beginning to love it a little bit, we hope you stay tuned to support us in the next episodes where we talk more about specific genres and also recommend you like some series that we watch or maybe like it's fallen under this genre and we want to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Very excited for that. Also, go check out, we have other two episodes out. Um, One of them is introduction slash classic animes. So if you're wanting some recommendations on what are good animes for beginners, go check out that episode. Uh, There are spoilers, though. So um, if you hear us talk about one, stop the moment we talk about it because I don't know what else we're going to say about it. Uh, But just to get ideas, perhaps, uh, we talk about the animes we first watched and then we did another episode that was about uh, thriller, horror type of animes. So if you know you like that genre and you want recommendations, go check that one out. But other than that, uh, that is the end of this episode and thank you for joining us and I guess we'll see you next time, hopefully.
1: Yeah. See you next time. Bye. Bye!